It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Geekish Cast is a member of the Astro Panda Productions Network. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, the world's reigning heavyweight champion of geek talk on the internet. I'm your host, Jeremy, and joining me today is author and creator Jay Sandlin of the NovelComics.com. What's happening, Jay? Hey, Jeremy. I'm just glad to be here tonight doing a little uh, reading, listening to a little music, and uh, watching some uh, Alien Covenant on at the movie theater. Maybe we can talk about that later. I don't know. <laughs> oh, possibly. <laughs> I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with the movies right now that are coming out. The last two years, it's been pretty fast and furious. Yeah. Hey, no pun intended, right? Yeah. Uh, so here's one of the things. You've got a, a line of books that you're working on that the first book is um, The Outbreak Mutiny, Volume 1, and you're doing a fictional universe or an alternate history even of the world with superheroes in it. Uh, I have to assume then... And you have been compared to one of these people, but you, you're probably a fan of both Harry Turtledove and Stan Lee. Oh, those are two big ones on my list. I'm glad you mentioned Harry Turtledove. Um, would love to meet him one day. Uh, I love his book, Guns of the South. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a Southerner, and if you haven't read Guns of the South, it's about the Confederate Army receiving AK-47s. From a time traveler. From time travelers from apartheid yeah. South Africa, from actually like in the early 2000s, I don't remember exactly, but I think the year's like 2014. So I guess when he wrote this in the 80s, 70s mm-hmm. or 80s, he imagined that we would be time traveling by now. Um, well, as most people, most people did. Instead, we had the iPhone 6. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's awesome. They uh, they do the AK-47s. Robert E. Lee's a main character. Uh, I need to get into his Alien Invasion series because uh, that was more in the fantasy, um, which this is what I do. I have my own cast of superheroes. That's where the Stan Lee comparisons come. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have my own timeline where uh, America has fallen, and it's fallen to a an empire called the Reich. That arose out of Germany in the early 20th century after they lost the Great War, what we call World War One. They didn't have a World War Two, so it never necessitated, necessitated the name change. All right, so that's the. At what point does your book universe separate off from uh, our regular history as we know it? That's really hard to answer because we don't know yet. Um, gotcha. One. One definitive point, though, would probably be the USS Maine incident of 1918 in the Spanish-American War. Uh, That was when the Maine, a U.S. battleship, was sunk in Havana Harbor. That happened in the real world. It also happened in the Outbreak Mutiny timeline, except it was sunk by an Outbreak baby with heat vision. Okay. 
So now, now, an outbreak, yeah, an outbreak I, baby, I should say. The term there, um, you know how there was a baby boom back in the 20th century, right? Yes. All right. Well, in my world, there was the outbreak baby boom, and that was where where the timelines really separated. Everybody became aware in the early 20th century that there were these beings with superpowers, and they called them the outbreak babies. Now, was the outbreak a specific event that they took the name from? Well, it's an era. It's where the it's where they became known to the general public. We don't really know when they began. Uh, there's one of them that claim. In fact, there's one outbreak baby that claims to be hundreds of years old from the day of the samurai. Uh, that's the guy on the cover with the green scaly hand. He goes by the name Okinawa Dragon. He's a warlord of the Reich. Okay. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, where did your interest in history start? It's kind of hard, uh, <laughs> as long as I can remember, really. Um, elementary school, it was probably the subject I didn't daydream in the most. So, uh, you know, it, I, I think maybe like in the fourth grade. Um, I live in Alabama, born in Alabama, still here. Uh, studied Alabama history in the fourth grade. Had a great teacher. Uh, and uh, it's it's just really kind of came alive for me then, and that stuck with me ever since. And I was going to major in it uh, my first year in college, but this is just basic freshman mentality for you. Uh, I had spent a semester as a communications major and thought I was too far into college to change. <laughs> well, must must not have known how long you're going to live or something then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're 18 and you've already put three months of study into this communications degree, you just you can't change, you know. <laughs> but uh, I actually I, I'm I'm back now. I'm uh, finishing my master's in December in history uh, here at the University of North Alabama. Go Lions! I've gotten to uh, present some of my papers at a lot of panels around the South this last spring semester, so that was really great. Um, want to thank all the universities that had me this last semester too. Well, that's outstanding. So, how about your love for uh, superheroes? Where did that come from? Well, you know, I would have to say that that came from uh, Fox Kids Saturday morning. I got to watch uh, the Spider-Man the animated series and X-Men the animated series, which were probably the two big cornerstones at the time. Um, and it's so crazy because I've since gotten to work with uh, Cal Dodd, the voice of Wolverine from uh, X-Men the Animated Series. He's been on some podcasts as a guest with me as well as part of the book tour. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but he got to uh, perform as Wolverine again in an X-Men story that I wrote recently. No, I haven't heard it. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Cause I, I haven't I will heard send about that. You, I will send you the link. Uh, it's kind of like we did it as a, maybe a radio play and put it on the internet. Um, I was... Given a challenge to write a continuation to the Wolverine franchise without Hugh Jackman, so I came up with kind of an X-Force prequel focusing on X-23 um, captured by uh, Weapon X, which is run by Mr. Sinister, and they give her the adamantium skeleton of Wolverine, so you know he's really dead because they pulled the adamantium out, mm-hmm. and she goes on to um, – get captured and fight uh, Sabretooth. She fights Lady Deathstrike. Uh, she teams up with Deadpool, Beast, Forge, and Yukio from the Wolverine, and they take on her brother Damon and the Silver Samurai, who want the adamantium, of course, because it's so rare. And uh, Cal ended up coming back to voice Logan for the first time in probably two decades now in kind of a flashback cameo role. Well, that's really cool. 
Yeah, that's available now. You can uh, listen to it at the GWWGeeksWorldWideNetwork.com. Uh, you might just Google Battle for the Claws, Wolverine Battle for the Claws. Okay, yeah, that was the first I heard you of a, that one. Yeah, we may not have talked since it came out. I'll, I'll give you a link to it after we get off the show here. Cool, that sounds good. Um, well, then I guess I have to know, at what point did you start writing fiction? That would have been probably third grade as well, because I, I I really didn't like um, you know the physical activity and uh, running and kicking balls of rubber and air. Mm-hmm. I was more prone to sitting under the playground equipment and reading Shadows of the Empire or the Thrawn trilogy, which was some of the best books of the '90s, really. Some of those early Star Wars books. Uh, Timothy Zahn was a great author. Steve Perry. Um, the Young Jedi Knight series. I loved all the Star Wars books, and I started writing my own um, horror and sci-fi stories and did that but really put it down, uh, put it down for years, uh, kind of hid the talent under a – what is it? You, you, you bury it. You bury your talents sometimes. Yeah. And, and I, I got into theater though. Uh, I loved theater, and I, after I did theater for years but then had a son – and just uh, after 22 years of theater, it just wasn't giving me a payoff anymore. It was like I would finish and it was over, and I kind of realized you know, print lasts a bit longer. I should really think about getting back into that, and that was in June uh, of last year. So June of last year uh, until March slash April of 2017 this year was when I had the very first idea to the publication of this book, Outbreak Mutiny. Now, did you had some of these ideas already been in your head? Because, uh, like, for me personally, I've had an idea for a comic book I've been kicking around for like fifteen years. So oh, I we should wonder, talk about that. No, well, yeah, so, well, no. So I wonder though, when you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to write something. How many were elements you had already considered? How much of it was new? Give me an idea how your writing process worked. Yeah, this was all new for me, um, Mm -hmm. all these ideas, because it started with a completely different idea again back in June. Um, Back in June, I had the idea, and at the time I was reading off uh, some other superhero book uh, writers, um, namely uh, Jim Bernheimer, who's written the D-List Villain series, which is great. And then Peter Kleins, who wrote the X-Heroes series, another good superhero novel series. Uh, I was reading these other superhero novels. Um, Jim Butcher would be another one. He wrote a good Spider-Man novel that I was reading. I was reading all these on a beach trip, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I I was just thinking, like, I can write a superhero book. I I can do that. That's what I need to focus on because I know superheroes, but what do I have – You know, what else do I bring to the table? And I thought about you know my master's degree. I've been working on that. I was uh, taking a semester on the Cold War at the time, which if you study the Cold War, that's basically a history of the 20th century. So I thought, how could we insert uh, superheroes into the events that I'm learning about right now? Because I was going through the decades of the 20th century and the Cold War and those events. And it really – like the first big flash of inspiration came to me with um, – Pearl Harbor. I thought about um, superheroes uh, from Nazi Germany fighting American heroes at Pearl Harbor, and that's just where it all began. Okay, uh, so but it was all brand new thoughts. No, 
know things that you had carried over from pre- previous – I mean, had you ever tried to write a superhero story before then? No, I, I had never written anything in the superhero genre before. Um, actually, I had been working in the nonfiction genre before that. I, I had been working on some like philosophy and some ideas of free thinking and uh, semi-autobiographical. And I, I had written probably uh, – I'd written about a 300-page book on that, which I still have, and I could go back and work on another day. But I was tired of writing about um, my real life, and that was when I decided it was time to you know, back up and punt and work on this uh, superhero world. Okay. So I started building that. The basic premise of that was going to be a story set in the present where being a superhero was like a career because uh, I've been a self-employed person for years now. I've been a small business owner. And I'm like, well, what if being a superhero was like being a small business owner and you had the hassles, uh, the taxes, the supplies, the employees, the ad companies? You had all the you know hassles of being a small business owner. You just happened to be a superhero. Let me try that. And, and I was working with that, and I started writing like how the world came to be that way. And I realized I was like, I really like that a lot better than what I'm doing. I think I'm just going to go back and write how the world came to be this way. And then I'll get back to the present. Um, I, I don't think I'll get back to the present anytime soon. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great idea. So tell me a little bit. I mean, uh, in advance of this, you sent me, I don't know if you want to call them character cards or. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, but you sent me you some can info. See those, uh, you can see those on Twitter. Uh, they'll be pinned to my Twitter profile at Writer over the next coming weeks. But you got a little advanced look. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about. The time period this they, this first book takes place in, and who are some of the characters in it? Well, uh, the first book – now, I, I call my chapters – this is a novel. Um, some people have asked me, is this a comic book? Is this a graphic novel? No, this is literature. It is a novel. But um, I have such a love for comic books that I call my chapters issues. So uh, the first one, Issue Zero, which is kind of like the prologue story – Starts in uh, at December 20, uh, December 31st, 1929, and that was the day that America fell. Uh, America fell to the Reich. Those are you know the Germans and the the empire that swept over Europe uh, because they had the best superheroes, or worst you might say to us. <laughs> they uh, came and conquered America, and they took over the New England coast. They invade Boston. So that's issue zero, uh, December 31st, 1929. Uh, then the first issue gets to the main story, which is 10 years later when the United States has been downsized into the remnant states. That's kind of the uh, downsized version of the United States where life is very hard. Okay. Well, that and that seems to me like you got a little bit of the uh, the post-Star Wars movie novel influence in there with the remnants and thinking about how empires kind of break apart and the status they do yeah which we kind of got that with like the first order uh the first order was a bit like a remnant of the empire Mm -hmm. and then the the resistance was kind of like the remnants of the rebel alliance so yeah you could say that uh which character card were you looking at i can talk about that first oh sure well it's uh, i'm just kind of interested in general but let's start in the order i have them in Mm -hmm. uh let's start with the buccaneer Oh, I can't say a lot about him. <laughs> okay, well tell, well, tell me what <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, we can. We can. Well, you'll notice uh, he, he's on the front cover as well. He's the guy that looks uh, kind of like a pirate. He's got a golden hook, got an eye patch. Um, 
he is with the uh, Remnant, so he's one of those characters you'll find in the Remnant. He is um, Master of Subterfuge. That's why you don't know a lot about him. You know, okay. I noticed uh, you might notice it says Alias is unknown, uh, but you'll find out more about that by the end of the book. Uh, he's got some powers. He uh, he can fence with his hook. He uh, grew up on a slave ship that was piloted by uh, Shape Beasts called the Pyrogs, which stands for Pyromaniac Frogs. Okay. Uh, now, the Shaped Beasts are these creatures that are basically mutated, surgically altered by the Reich, by their scientists, and they um, serve the slave empire. They're basically trying to gather the outbreak babies to serve the war machine. Uh, the Buccaneer, so he's a great fencer. He's part of a mutiny, I can tell you that. He has a mutiny on the ship with his partners, and uh, he's also got heat vision. Okay. Uh, so but you'll notice he, you'll, oh, sorry. You'll notice he has one eye, of course. The heat vision comes from behind the eye patch. Okay. So he's got a, kind of like Cyclops, you know, behind the ruby quartz. He's got to lift up the eye patch and some heat vision comes burning out. All right. Um, from the point of view of the characters in this story, I mean, would the remnant states be considered to be good guys in this case? Well, if you're looking at it broadly, yes. Uh, okay. The remnant states would kind of consider themselves to be the last good guys. They are okay. basically all that's standing between the Reich and world domination because they rolled through Europe, um, Russia, Asia. Uh, Japan joined them just like Japan joined the Axis powers in World War II. And then on Triple Reich uh, is when they rolled into America. They took the northeast half of America… The South seceded, as we tend to do, <laughs> and they voluntarily became a territory of the Reich, and then the entire western states were basically overrun with these shaped beasts I've been talking about. Uh, they kind of have a Mad Max society when they have a wasteland in the west of uh, okay. shaped monsters that the Reich has created. Um, one of those is a card as well. Did you see the dragon's card? Yeah, I was, he was the next one I was going to ask. Yeah, about. yeah. So the dragon, the Okinawa dragon, he came from Japan. Now, he was an outbreak baby. Uh, but they say that when he showed up in Austria, which is one of the Reich's capitals and actually the birthplace of Adolf Hitler, um, he looked completely different until the Shapers got a hold of him. And you'll see it there in his abilities. He's got a Flammenwerfer apparatus attached to him. That's a, a German flamethrower. The Nazis used those in our real world. Mm -hmm. He's got it attached to his spine, running down his arms, and he uses that to create the dragon's flames. Okay. Yeah. Important thing about him is he's a warlord. Uh, warlords are put in charge of the Reich's con uh, conquered territory. So it's kind of like the Romans. You know, The Romans were all about conquest, and if the Romans rolled up and conquered your homeland, they would stick their own puppet king to kind of enforce the will of Rome in, you know, whether it was like Judea, Greece, um, Carthage. Well, they salted and burned Carthage, but that's another story. Uh, so he's, he's a warlord of Reich, and he's given the Hawaiian Islands after Pearl Harbor. All right. So he would be a bad guy, so to speak. Oh, he, he's one of the baddest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he um, is a bad guy. He's a tough guy. He, he's one of the toughest guys you're going to meet, too. Now, who did your artwork for the for your book cover yeah. and for these characters? Let, let's give it – got to give a shout-out there yeah. to J, JD and J Designs uh, did the book cover. They offer it um, for authors out there. At a variety of prices, whether you're you know, an indie author looking for a general stock 
cover photo or if you need commissioned artwork like I wanted. Um, they are very affordable and great to work with. Um, then the interior art, uh, because each chapter or issue has a little bit of artwork on it as well, and that was done by gv-art.com. You can check him out on Twitter as well at gv-art. Okay. And lastly, the cards, the artwork on the uh, character cards you can see, uh, which will be in the book uh, updated edition, was made by my friend Ray, and his podcast is the Naked Porch Podcast. Great friends of mine there. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I think I follow them, actually, so yeah. Well, you I'm, should. <laughs> I am familiar with them. Yeah, um, Ray, Ray, that was Ray's idea, actually, to put these character stats together. That's um, a great idea. I was trying... Well, we were talking about it, and I wanted to feature the uh, characters, and um, so he put the one uh, – I think the next one you have was Atlas, maybe? Uh, well, the next one I have is Clockwork. That was the hardest one to make because uh, Clockworks, you know, he's kind of a portly guy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the uh, the robot-looking character, but there's a man inside it that operates it, so it's, it's power armor. Uh, steam power armor from the looks of it. Yeah, he's not very green. I, I guess there would probably be like the EPA would protest clockwork in our time, but we're really more concerned about survival in my timeline. So going green is a bit of a luxury. But yeah, clockwork is part of the Armorers Guild. Um, these are like the industrial guys, the sci- the scientists, you know, the builders, uh, generally regular people that want to keep up with the outbreak babies and try to protect mankind through their ingenuity. Okay. He's got his 12-pounder naval cannons mounted on each arm. He's got the rocket booster legs, uh, you know, the, the smokestacks on his shoulders, uh, and a kick-butt stereo system as well for the 1930s where he likes to play his own entrance music where he, when he enters a battle. Well, it'd be like, yeah, having your own drummer line with you as you enter the end of the field. Yes, yes, yeah. he has lots of favorites. He likes to play Flight of the Valkyries. He likes to play the Battle of 1812. Um, in, in the last chapter, which takes place on New Year's Eve, he even played uh, Auld Lang Syne. Okay, that's a interesting. song nobody knows the words to, you know. <laughs> we try to pretend we do. Well, I think most of the time when you actually hear the song sung, you're drunk. You wake up in the morning, you don't remember what you heard. No, you don't know. Or who's yeah. next that matter. Yeah, it's, it's a state-dependent memory, I believe, is what they call that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Clockwork, he is uh, part of the Armorers Guild and uh, plays a, plays some surprising roles. Uh, there's you, You'll be surprised how he ends up in the end, but he's one of my favorites for sure. Okay. I, I like the idea of the power armor. I've always been a fan of, like, steampunk and Iron Man. Yeah. I've always just been a fan of the power armor because it's one where you can have a character who is somewhere in line with Superman but be a real person. Right, right. Yeah. Well, there's uh, in this particular book, there will be uh, three power armors that show up, uh, Clockwork, another one's by the name of Steel Samaritan, and there is a bad made man because some of the made men defected to the Reich, as you'd imagine, when their territories were conquered. Um, that's one by the name of Nuremberg that you'll meet in Chapter 3, Sewer Storm. Okay, well, let's deal with that term real quick. What does uh, made man mean in your, your connotation here? Oh, those are – I'm sorry, made man. Yeah, those are the people I'm talking about that build the power armors. Okay. Um, and members of the Armorers Guild. It's like we didn't – we weren't born with superpowers. We made ours. So we're made men. <laughs> gotcha. You see, in my head, without context, I would figure they were a lieutenant to something for somebody. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah. 
Um, so the last card I have for one of your characters is uh, for the character Atlas. Atlas, the blue-collar brawler, the American juggernaut, the people's champion. Yes, he uh, is African-American, as you can see from the cover. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. got his hands up like a boxer. It's one of his skills. Um, basically, you know, he's got the super strength. He's got the super leaping. He's kind of the quintessential hero of uh, the golden age of the Outbreak Babies, which was the decade just before America fell. I call that the Soarin' Twenties. Okay. You might get an idea of where next, I got that next from. Next to the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Soarin' Twenties were kind of the era of, uh, you know, um, heroics. The stories and tales of the Outbreak Babies became famous, and Atlas was definitely one of those. Uh, they even have comic books written about these characters within the universe. Okay, that's pretty cool. And right. now, if, if you were to, I don't see here. I'm trying to figure. Is there a parallel, say, in Marvel or DC for this character Atlas? Who would you compare him to? I mean, as far as his mission, personality, and the, st- I would compare him to Superman, uh, just in the sense that he's powerful and he, um, you know, is all about no man left behind. I'm going to protect, you know, the weakest, the smallest among you. Uh, being African-American and having super strength, he's been compared to Luke Cage, but I don't think they have a lot in common other than their race and their powers. Well, when I first uh, saw him, just the image on the cover of your book, I was thinking of a Golden Age Superman. Yeah, that's exactly uh, – Golden Age is really the idea, just that general comic book era. He's kind yeah. of a throwback, and he wears the coveralls and the workers' gloves because he used to be um, a steel worker. And his powers manifested. Uh, that's another thing. When you're an outbreak baby, your powers manifest after a near-death experience like a tragedy. Um, in his instance, he had tons of molten steel dropped on him while working at a factory. And when they dug him out, they expected to find a corpse, but he was perfectly fine, and that was when he learned he had these powers. So everybody that has powers had to go through some seriously messed up stuff to get them. Yeah. Oh, so it's kind of like Highlander in a way, then. Uh, yeah, that's right. You did have yeah. to die to become the to find out. You, and I always wondered how did they know they were immortals in the first place? Was it just a surprise? Uh, well, I think the first time they died, they didn't know unless somebody else approached you. But like, obviously, the Kurgan knew uh, Connor McLeod was an immortal because he sought him out. And, and when you get to Highlander, the series that was even sketchier. That was hard. But well, yeah, it's exactly right. You know, here's here's the thing about Highlander the series. Um, I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh, but you gotta love Adrian Paul. Well, so the okay, so I loved Highlander when it came out. Matter of fact, I even like went and saw the second movie in the theater twice because I was like, it can't be as bad as I thought. It um, was. It was. So <laughs> the day the Highlander TV series started, I was standing in my apartment getting a bowl of cereal during the first commercial break. And the kitchen cabinet flipped off the wall and smashed three of my ribs, put a screw through my throat, and broke my back. What? I hate that TV show. <laughs> no. They, cool, yeah, cool. They, they drywall screwed my uh, ca- my uh, upper cabinet line into the wall. They didn't put them into the studs. Were you trying to find out if you were an immortal? Is that what it was? Um, it was. It wouldn't be intentional, that's for sure, because I was just standing there, and it flipped right off the wall and hit me. If, if you had been an outbreak baby, that may have been enough to generate your superpowers. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it was enough to make me have to change my pants and go to the hospital. Oh, man, yeah, that's it rough. Was, well, it was pretty, it I understand. Was pretty sad. The, I understand the negative association. Then. <laughs> yep. Um uh, but, yeah, I mean, I watched the show, um, 
I just, yeah, that I, I couldn't figure out how it fit to the rest of the universe, and then finally somebody told me, look, it's in a separate universe. I'm like, oh, okay, well, then let it go. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Except it wasn't, was it? I guess it was, except Connor McCloud was still canon, because he was in the first episode acting like he was just regular Connor McCloud. Right. But, okay, yeah, I guess it was a separate universe, and you had Connor McCloud. All right, yeah, whatever. Th- those yeah. people exist, but, you know, the story went different, because I finally, just in my life, went... Highlander 1 is the whole story. Yeah, they they come together, they fight, Connor wins, there we go. I'm just going yeah. with that, yeah. He, um, he, they messed it up when they gave him the prize. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And they yeah. kept taking it back. <laughs> yeah. They should have read the fine print on the prize, like it's, that big face in the clouds didn't really give him all the details of the contest. Exactly. Um, so let me ask you this. One of the things I find interesting about the world that you've created here and as you describe it, it sounds like there's almost an arms race between superhumans and inventors and warring governments. Was that intentional? I'll tell you the way I imagined it. Um, mm-hmm. there, if there were people with superpowers, the first thing that would happen is the leaders of the world, the dictators, the kings, the despots, the presidents – would try to figure out how to utilize the people with superpowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would they would be pawns in their affairs, and that's why the Reich, uh, which the Nazis of our world were based on eugenics and a superior race, and so is the Reich in Outbreak Mutiny. Uh, the Shapers, which are a group of mad scientists in the Reich, are constantly working to perfect the Outbreak babies and turn them into war machines. To, to win this superpowers race. Um, when you get to issue one, it's essentially been won. Uh, you know, the Reich has basically won the race, and they're just trying to build up their power. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a major slave trade. Uh, that's a big theme as well, slavery. Uh, they are looking to take the outbreak babies. And if you are an outbreak baby, you're scared to death that you'll end up on a boat bound for Austria one day because that's where all outbreak babies go. And if they emerge from it, they're never the same. Okay. So they're okay. So they're even like to the point where in our world, people were stealing each other's nuclear secrets and this, that, and the other. You actually have out and out theft of human beings with special abilities. Okay. Right. And that's where you meet the buccaneer. He's on one of these slave ships called the Concroctador, and it's piloted by uh, Captain Bullrog and his crew of Pyrogs, which are fire-breathing frog people. Mm-hmm. And they're out scavenging the Gulf of Mexico, South America, and that ocean area for outbreak babies. Okay. Well, that's kind of kind of wild stuff. Um, What is it... What was your degree in? So I had a degree in public communications, and Mm -hmm. in December I'll finish my master's for uh, an MA in history. Okay, so that's where it is. I've been trying to figure out what your history discipline was or where it came from. Yeah, I'll have a focus in oral history, which is basically taking the stories of other people, and um, I'm going to be releasing another book this year based on my master's thesis. It'll be uh, based on a series of interviews that I did with a man that uh, was a World War II veteran, uh, Manhattan Project worker, an employee of NASA during the space race. Wow. Um, Got to interview him. Got about 10 hours of footage there. Um, He passed away just weeks after the interview was over. 
Well, that's unfortunate, but... It was. Interviews, I should say, because yeah. we met over the course of a couple of months to get the 10 hours. And uh, I've put together a lot of outlines. I got approval uh, with my university to make it the thesis, and uh, I'll kind of be tweaking the thesis into a book form as well. So that'll be my next thing for this year. Okay, cool. Um, so I, one question I have for you, because when I've tried to read... I. I won't remember their title names right off the top of my head. I've tried to read a few uh, superhero novels, um, not ones based on main characters, but like people trying to launch new franchises and or, you know, one-off books. I think superheroes are especially difficult to write because they came about in comic books. And then the next thing they took off in our film and TV, so they're an especially visual type of character. Have you found I agree. It, yeah. Yeah. I have agree. you found it tricky to write superheroes? I think the key there is just to make your words paint the picture. And that mm-hmm. was something I looked for in all the test reads was to make sure that my readers um, were getting the picture of what I wanted to write. And and that's very subjective because one person will read something completely different to an, than another. But um, so far, that was the goal. I wanted to make it to where I painted a picture with the writing, and I did add supplementary uh, tools for that as well. Um, you know, that's why I went for the comic book inspired cover. I've also got maps in the beginning of the book, and I've got uh, issue art at the beginning of each issue. Which I'd like to do some more of that uh, in the future installments. Maybe make it more like you know page length features instead of kind of the thumbnail format I got right now. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a challenge really for any genre, but superheroes especially. Yeah, because I for me you know superheroes are all about you know punching things and throwing things and heat vision and flying and for me i wish i could remember the name of this well it's probably best i don't remember the name of the books i don't want to tar their work with my lack of imagination but um (laughs) you you know for me if i can't see certain things you know i just had trouble like i didn't know what their costumes look like and i can see you've kind of handled that with like your character cards and your covers and your interior illustrations Yes, but of course you can't show every character in the book, so yep. I had to, you, you just have to make the dialogue paint the picture. So yep, absolutely. You, you'll have to – when you finish reading it, I want you to get back to me and let me know if you were able to visualize some of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let me ask you this then. So you're self-publishing, correct? I, I am available on Amazon uh, exclusively in paper book and e-back, e-book format. Mm-hmm. Uh, the e-book is only 99 cents. And uh, I, I am self-publishing. Um, I started a publishing company to do my work, so you could say that's the company. But you know, sure. six of one, six of one is half a dozen of another. So yes, I'm an indie author. Uh, but the novel comics, like we said at the beginning, it's my DC, it's my Marvel, and I'm going to continue my shared universe of heroes uh, just indefinitely under that label. Oh, absolutely. And I don't mean that to come across as trying to diminish it at all. I actually think it's pretty amazing now. I'm proud that, to be. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. It's my <laughs> my you, wife. Yes. My wife is too. She's published one uh, uh, a biographical book about something we went through a few years ago, and then also a bagel cookbook that she published. And I think it's pretty damn amazing, really, that you can sit down, do something artistically, find a partner who can really, because Amazon can get you into every home, pretty much in the free world. Yeah, I've got distribution down. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you know, so all you got to do is work on finding a market or an audience. So that's what I wanted to ask you about specifically as a, you know, a self-publishing or indie publishing author through, you know, Amazon or whatever channels you're using. What have you been doing to get, you know, help get the word out about your books? Well, the book's been out for a month at this Mm -hmm. point. Uh, and what I've done so far is just tried to reach a grassroots following. I interact with people on Twitter. I go on podcasts like yours, and I seek out podcasts that have a readership that would be into my book. Um, that's going to be the people that are already reading traditional comic books. That's going to be fans of history and history buffs to an extent. Um, but I think the superhero genre is the most prevalent because nobody has to be into history at all to enjoy these books, but you probably would have to be into adventure, the fantasy, that sort of thing. So um, that's what I try to do. I try to reach out to the audience and tap what's already reading about superheroes. Um, getting into the blogs now, uh, that's been more recently. I've got a good friend, King Caesar, S-E-E-S-A-R. You can check out his blog. He did a feature on me. And then I got to be the indie spotlight author for the Writer's Block Workshop, like we mentioned at the beginning. And I've uh, just recently started with Books and Bear for a blog tour. So uh, starting – well, uh, today, as of this recording, uh, for the next 30 days, I'll be on 30 blogs. So just follow me on Twitter. I'll be tweeting those out as they come, at Writer. And uh, you know, it's not going to be any one thing that uh, gets your book out there. You, it's just got to be a marathon. That's the way I look at it. Okay, and are you finding? I mean, are you finding people pretty receptive to this? What's kind of been your general experience? I, I have when, it, the hardest thing to do is to get someone to actually sit down and read it. But when they do, I get nothing but receptiveness. I get nothing but thought, positive feedback. Uh, of course, that's going to change as things go on. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> yeah, you, that's just the nature of exposure. Yeah. Yes, but so far I've loved the feedback. Uh, everyone's reacting the way that I would hope they would in terms of asking the right questions, like what's going to happen with this character, why did this happen, and most importantly, what I always hear is, man, that sure ended on a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so you're you're going to have to read it and find out this cliffhanger I leave it on. I, I, I hope you I hope you like that. If you're not a fan of cliffhangers, just forget I said that. Um, yeah, 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 that depends on the individual writer. And, of course, these days the idea is to really deep dive into a story, really get in there and play with the uh, the ins and outs and the, the back alleys and the shadows and really explore the universe. Well, the story is also like the promotion. Uh, the timeline is a marathon. I've got ideas uh, to cover the 20th century, basically. Mm-hmm. And right now we're only on 1939. That's pretty cool. Now, I have to ask... 1939 would be the year Batman actually was introduced. Cool. The, totally the year, irrelevant, but I cool. Was, I was just going to say, now 1938 would be the year that Superman was introduced. Did you oh. do anything to reference actual actual history no, of um, superheroes' yeah, introduction? Yeah. No, it was more about actual history uh, okay. because I, I wanted the soaring 20s, the golden age of the outbreak babies. I wanted that to end very abruptly. And the stock market crash was in 1929, Mm -hmm. which I also – that was the year my grandfather was born, so I can remember it really easily. So that was why I targeted for that year, and there's also some importance with D-Day. 
and the invasion of Normandy. Uh, you'll have to read more about that in the book. Cool. And just in case, I don't know that we, we pointed it out at front, because I said that some people have called you one, but uh, or compared you to one of the two, Harry Turtledove and Stan Lee, but it was uh, Writer's Block compared, said you were the Stan Lee of 2017. So if we didn't actually get that reference in there, that's what it was. Yeah, that was their review, and uh, that's actually on my Amazon page right now. Uh, Lynn from Writer's Block Workshop said, you know, Outbreak Mutiny from Jay Sandlin, the Stan Lee of 2017. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a pretty gigantic, uh, well, just name drop to have somebody compare you to somebody. Uh, you know. I was a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I mean, but you could say that what we have in common, if nothing else, is that we both created characters and started a... Uh, company to tell their stories so he's obviously been doing it longer than me i've only been uh had my story out for a month <laughs> yeah. but um you know i'm gonna keep on going maybe i'll get to make some movie cameos one day yeah, you know you can always hope yeah you can yeah. so hey so if people want to find you and i do want to just drop this one out there real quick um you know, trying to help us both out, I created a link to my uh, Amazon affiliate site where people can buy Outbreak Mutiny Volume 1, and that's tinyurl.com slash gcoutbreak. Uh, your book is available both digitally and in print, yes? Yes. Uh, what does the digital book go for? The digital book, uh, the ebook is only 99 cents and will be for the foreseeable future. Uh, paper paperback is eleven ninety nine and is available for Amazon Prime. Fantastic. Uh, where can people find out more about you and your book? You can check me out at thenovelcomics.com. You can always find me at jsandlinwriter.com. I'm on Facebook at jsandlinwriter, and most of the time you can find me or talk to me on Twitter, which is going to be um, at jsandlinwriter. Uh, Drop me a line, and if I see it, we can talk history or superhero subjects all day long. That's pretty cool. And if, if people can search you, they'll find you at Jay Sandlin Writer. Uh, yep. But if they want to go right to your Twitter name, it's the letter J, at Jay Sandlin Writer. That's exactly right. J-S-A-N-D as in dog, L-I-N, Jay Sandlin Writer. Perfect. Uh, any other places you want to get people to go check you out at? Have you got any shows or anything coming up where they can find you or websites? Where I will have plenty of shows coming up, and uh, the best place to find them is on my Twitter and Facebook. I just post them as they come. So Excellent. Just be on the lookout for that. Perfect. Well, Jay, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Yeah, great being here. Uh, when After you've checked out the book, um, we'll come back on and you can tell me what you thought. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to have you back on. Um, I would have tried to have gotten through it now, but I've had, uh, you know, life happens. You know how that well, goes? Well, yeah. Tell me, that, are you a fan of ebook or paperback? I prefer paperback. Great. You finish that paperback, uh, leave a review, and send it to me, and I'll sign it and send it back. That sounds like a hell of a plan to me. All right, me too. Yeah, I will definitely do that because I actually, in my studio, I keep a wall full of things that have been signed or bought from or given to me by guests. And that's kind of well, my, hey, my, my plan is to fill it all up with stuff as we go. I will fill your wall, sir. Excellent. <laughs> cool. Jay, thank you for joining us. Everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast. I am on Instagram, but I don't really understand how it works. It's usually what you get is a photograph of my thumb or one of my dogs. 
I don't know that that's much help to anybody. <laughs> all right, everybody, we will catch you all later. Jay, thank you for coming in. Thank you. And we'll see you all soon. Geekish Cast is a Vias and Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zaius. Check them out at reignofzaius.net. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.